This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Today's episode made possible by our friends at QuickTrack. Guys, if you've not gone and downloaded the free QuickTrack app on your phone, go do it now. Whether you own your own business, do freelance work, or maybe hire a friend to get things done for you around the house, QuickTrack takes care of all of it. QuickTrack takes out all the guesswork of contracts. You can create and sign your own contract in less than 60 seconds and get paid. It's that simple. Download the QuickTrack app today from the App Store. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. Being a goalkeeper kind of, it prepares me better for the real world than any than any job, than any internship, than anything I could possibly do because I know that if I'm able to, to stand in front of that net in front of a crowd and when all the eyes are on me and things aren't going well, if I'm able to get through that and kind of come out the other side, then there's really not much the real world is going to surprise me with. Friday. World Series continues Game 3 tonight in Washington, if you're listening, actually, on Friday. Nationals with a chance to take a 3-0 lead in the series and win the whole thing tomorrow. Our guest today, Jeff Attenella, who I talked to almost two weeks ago. He's a professional soccer player. He called the matchup, so uh, we're going to see if he can predict that champ, too. And uh, in much bigger baseball news, besides ex-Yankees manager Joe Girardi taking the Philly job, The Astros have fired their assistant GM, rightfully so, after firing uncool thoughts at a group of female journalists. Gotta stand up for my sisters here. Houston's first reaction, not okay. The statement, an organizational statement, they say. Okay, if a bunch of people wrote something and approved it, how did no one realize that it was that messed up? So to backtrack here. Saturday night's win, assistant GM Brandon Taubman screamed, I'm so effing glad we got Asuna. And he's talking about Roberto Asuna, who served a suspension for domestic violence last year with Blue Jays. And Taubman pulls this stunt with a Sports Illustrated reporter, who happens to be a woman, wearing a domestic violence awareness bracelet right in front of him. But he's not even around Asuna. He's just with this group of women. So to catch you up, Astros first said, we don't believe it. Basically, we're discrediting the Sports Illustrated journalist. But upon further review, okay, realize they need to get on board with everyone else and the rest of the league with a no-tolerance policy. (laughs) So everyone in this locker room said it was a hurtful, hostile environment that this guy created, not an okay engagement. He was yelling at women. No one was talking to him or even asking him his opinion. So three statements it took Houston to get it right after attacking her. Not okay. Should have fired should have fired this guy earlier. The MLB cannot allow this stuff to happen. Domestic violence is way too common right now. Thank goodness people are coming out about it, but Houston, you have a problem. What took so long for you to figure out how to craft an apology that was right? We have so many women now who work in the league. No excuses for this BS anymore. Of course, it was the right thing to do to fire him. Thank God. But still, people, it's 2019. Houston apologized, but just not fast enough. If you've ever been a female in the workplace and dealt with this hostility, if you've been through domestic violence, you've got some sort of feelings towards the situation. The fact that the organization tried to discredit Stephanie Epstein, who was the reporter, and say that she fabricated a story? Are you kidding me? 
when she first reached out to the Astros and Taubman, based on his comments, Houston declined to comment. Taubman, Taubman declined to comment. Everyone declined. And then they flipped out. Wow, not okay. Abuse happens on all levels. Yes, the most we hear about is men hurting women, but to make this a sexist issue and think it will set back women in sports is insane. Uh, The women did not do anything here. I can only feel for the women working in the Astros organization, though. Obviously, thank goodness the rest of the league and Commissioner Rob Manfred made sure this situation (laughs) was taken care of, but hopefully this just sets an example for how the rest of professional teams need to deal with situations like this. Anyway, moving on. Uh, We're talking to Jeff Antonella today, who is an awesome, awesome guy. Not only is he professional goalie starter for the Portland Timbers, he is also a children's book author. He started It Had to Be Told Publishing Company. Uh, Just so many accolades for this guy. An incredible story. Really, really an amazing dude off the field. Um, He even started his own podcast, too. So we're going to get to talk to him, dig into all of that. You know, he hasn't been playing this year, dealing with a shoulder injury that was nagging for a bit. And, of course, you know, we will see him out there next year. Um, Portland, you know, I, I talked to him last week. So Portland took on Real Salt Lake this week. His old team unfortunately lost lost in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, that was a huge bummer. Um, but hopefully we'll get to see Jeff out there next season. And can't wait to get into the conversation with him. All right, here's Jeff. Well, hey, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. It is so great to have you. Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate uh, I appreciate jumping on. Should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, obviously, you are a current athlete, but out for the season right now. So um, quickly, you know, catch us up on what you're doing today as far as um, when you're sitting on the couch, not out on the field right now. Uh, so it's just been a lot of family time, you know, um, when we're traveling a bunch and when you're in season most years, uh, you kind of lose you kind of lose that time that you get to spend uh, with your family and pay a little bit more attention to what's going on with your kids and your wife. And so I've been diving into that a bunch and uh, really enjoying the sports on TV right now. It's a good, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. So if you're going to be injured, being injured during the major league baseball playoffs, during the NFL, during college football, it's a good time to, uh, it's a good time to be stuck on the couch. So I've just been enjoying the family time and just kind of kicking back, watching all these good sports on TV. And, you know, I'm keeping busy. Uh, I've done a couple of intern, like not internships, but a couple of shadow, different shadow projects and different things like that. Just trying to see uh, what else is out there besides soccer as well. So I'm just doing my best to keep busy. So it's kind of a good time to figure out what you would do once you hang up the cleats. Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, I mean, it's, it hasn't been great. That's, that's not exactly, uh, this isn't exactly how it's you draw up. It's been an exploratory up. time. Exactly. It's been, it's been a good opportunity for me to see what else is out there. And, you know, I went to school for communications and that's something that I really want to dive into. So you know, I've just been doing my best to kind of use the connections you make as a, as an athlete and as a soccer player out here in Portland and uh, just explore different things that hopefully, you know, once once my career is over and I'm done playing, uh, I can easily transition into something that I want to do as opposed to kind of having something forced on, on me, you know. Any of those experiences that you've uh, had lately or connections that you found that have really sparked any new interests in you that you might explore um, after you're done playing? 
Yeah, so I, I shadowed a, a radio station out here and spent a day kind of uh, doing like a sports radio show. And I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, I thought that that, like, I enjoy talking. I definitely enjoy talking about sports. And I just kind of enjoy killing time, uh, which is basically what sports radio is, as I learned. Right. It's uh, pretty much talking about sports and seeing if you could, ch- seeing if you could kill a big chunk of time in people's days yeah. uh, when you're making those, when you're making those commutes. So I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I think that if I could get, if I could get something like that going or spend some more time uh, shadowing, shadowing sports radio again and try to dive into that, I think that'd be a really fun path. But, you know, I also, uh, you know, I also had a little bit more time to explore the business side of our, of our book company that we have and kind of dive into that a little bit as well. So I definitely try to stay in the sports field, uh, mm-hmm. which direction it takes me exactly. I'm not sure, but I really, really enjoyed uh, my day with the sports radio people. So I think that would be a pretty fun path. Well, and that's huge because so many people turn, you know, straight to TV where obviously, you know, it's not all scripted. You got to know what you're talking about and be able to babble for as long as you, you're told. But uh, with radio, you got to fill time like you cannot just sit there and uh, be thinking you're going to read a script forever. You got to you got to know that you got to come up with some stuff sometimes just out of nowhere and be ready to go. So that's huge if you feel like, you know, you're ready to do that. Yeah, I mean, I only I only spent one day. I only spent one day with the person and I felt like I could handle that one day. Yeah. Uh, talking, you know, when you start thinking about if you have to kill three hours a day, five days a week for the entire year, you know, I'm sure that's a different animal, but it was a fun day. And I, I you know, sports takes up so much of my communication and so much of my time anyway that, you know, if I could try to, if I could try to piece something like that together, that'd be great. But you know, if anything, it was it was a good way to spend a day. Yeah. And you do host your own podcasts, right? Are you still going to be doing that? And that could kind of lead you into the radio avenue. Yeah. So my roommate and I, Zarek, uh, my roommate on the road, we started our podcast at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, just because of the injury and he actually, his wife just gave birth to their first kid. So he's in the, he's in the new dad, the new dad yeah. panic mode. So we haven't we haven't been able to keep up with it as much as we'd like to this year, but hopefully we can hopefully once life settles down a little bit, we can kind of get it rolling again and carried into next year because it was a lot of fun and the response the response in Portland was really good. So hopefully it's something we can keep going. And you know, for me, I think it's a good way to it's a kind of a good way to work on that transitioning stage of you know using my communications degree and killing time with one of my buddies, but at the same time working on the skills that you know I would need for for things that are that I want to do when I'm done playing. Mm-hmm. When you've already had so much so much success, like you were talking about with your book company, that is something that is major because so many athletes will go out and write, you know, an autobiography or a self-help book or a recipe book, something, <laughs> but not many people want to go and explore children's literature. That is incredible and such a niche that I think we need. Um, when did you decide to sit down and write a children's book? So it was right when my when my daughter was born. So it was actually her birthday yesterday. So it was three years Aww. ago. And so once my daughter was born, um, there was just a couple of things that were going on. You know, it was this time of year and the Cubs, uh, one of our first days at home with our daughter, you know, back from the hospital, the Cubs had won the World Series. So I'm watching that and, I'm, you know, I'm not sleeping much and I'm staring at my daughter who, you know, all I can think about is, you know, next generation and all that good stuff. And in my mind, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, this generation of Cubs fans aren't going to know yep. what the misery, you mm-hmm. know, like what it, what it's really like to be a Cubs fan. All they're going to know is that the Cubs won the World Series this year and, 
you know, everything's great when you're a Cubs fan, but that's not, that's not the Cubs that so many people know. That's definitely not the Cubs that I grew up with. So that's kind of how the idea sparked about, you know, telling these historical sports stories in a children's book fashion so that, you know, one, you're, you're passing down the stories that so many generations of sports fans know. So you're passing down those stories to the next generation. So they understand, you know, what it really means to be a fan of that team or just kind of the misery or their, or the story of, you know, the teams that have kind of suffered to overcome all that and win a championship. But then at the same time, you know, for me, it's sports is so much of my life that, you know, my best memories with my, my family are all centered around the sporting event, whether it's, you know, going to a game, going to a restaurant weekly to go watch a game on TV or just things like that. So it's something that I wanted to create for, for dads like me and for kids to, to kind of bond over, you know, it's, um, it's just a way for me to hopefully try to connect with my daughter through something that I love, something that I'm passionate about. And I'm hopeful that, you know, that there's parents and kids out there that are reading these books that are big sports fans too, that are able to do the same thing that I'm doing with my daughter and connect through these books, connect to these stories, and ultimately, you know, using sports to make families connect a little bit more. And it's just something that I'm super passionate about. Yeah, no, that's huge. I mean, obviously your daughter's super young, but what has been the emotional response that you've seen from her when you're maybe spending an evening reading one of your books to her? She loves, uh, well, she's in the, she's, there's a picture of her on the back, on the back cover. So oh. she loves, she loves looking at herself. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, obviously. Um, no, she likes, you know, the artwork, we, we hired an artist that did a great job and, you know, she really enjoys the pictures and she's starting to, you know, now that I'm home more and hanging out with her, she's starting to learn a lot more about sports and what the different sports are. So the more and more she learns about sports, the more she starts to enjoy the books a little bit more because she's like, oh, this is the baseball book. This is the basketball book. Yeah. So she's starting to understand it a little bit more, but you know, it's, uh, it's been fun. You know, she's still a little bit young for him, but she understands that, you know, that they're about sports. She understands that her dad wrote them and, you know, she, uh, she at least puts up with them as much as I want to read them to her. (laughs) Yeah, no, but still, I think that that is so unique because I think about when my, me and my brother grew up and bonding with sports with my dad, it was, we had, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings and especially Saturday mornings with college game day, because my dad would put me and my brother in the car early in the morning to go get bagels and coffee and smoothies. <laughs> and then, you know, we plop on the couch all day to watch college football. And then it was every morning um, reading, learning how to read the paper. You know, that's how my brother especially learned to read was learning sports scores. You know, everything is so digital now that no kids are thinking about reading anymore. And it's just it's so sad to me. Like we're losing we're losing all of that. And especially with sports, because, you know, everything we're going towards is the entertainment side of the industry. Right. No, totally. So, it was, you know, it all started as the whole project started as, you know, I think I have a really cool idea for a book. And there aren't, you know, there aren't really books out there, children's books out there that tell these stories of these historical sporting events. So that's how, you know, that's how the whole process of our publishing company, It Had to Be Told, started. It was, it was just with that mindset. But then as we started to dive into the, the children's literacy side and the, you know, the kids that are the reluctant readers, it was, you know, I was the same way. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't ever want to read when I was a kid. I just love sports. So like, just like your, just like your brother, the only thing I read was the sports section or if, if it was Sports Illustrated for Kids showed up in yep. the mail. Mm-hmm. Those were the only things that I ever read. And now as an adult, 
and especially like what you're saying with technology and just just kind of the way that the world seems to be heading and the way that things are trending there's so many kids out there that are still reluctant to read because of their love of sports it's like you know i don't want to read like i want to play sports i don't want to read i want to play sports and that's how i was that's how my father-in-law was who helped me start the company and the more that we've learned that these kids are out there and that they're reading our books and you know diving into a book because it's about sports it's it's kind of using that you know as a new way to create hopefully kids that want to read mm -hmm. and ultimately if you start reading about sports and you know you run out of sports books maybe you'll flip to the next science book maybe you'll flip to you know a story that you wouldn't have dove into because you're a sports fan so so hopefully you know we we've heard some success stories and you know, it's been, it's been fun when we're able to get out in the community and donate these books and just kind of see the kids' response and hearing, you know, hearing back from teachers that really enjoy the stories because it's connecting to those types of kids that I was talking about. So, you know, what started as we think we have a cool idea for a book has really grown into, you know, we think we're hopefully making a difference in some kids' lives, yeah. which has been, you know, it's been worth it. You know, just just that alone has been totally worth it because that's that's a pretty cool thing to do. Right, you're leading a movement. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, kind of. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Hopefully, hopefully we'll. Uh, that's like hopefully down the road we'll be hopefully like five six years from now we'll be talking about the yeah. movement of it had to be told publishing. Yeah. But uh, you know, if we've we've made a difference in a few kids' lives, which has been cool. Yeah. Hope we'll work yeah. on that. We'll work on that movement. We'll work on that. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I just think about you know being in school and having the reading requ requirements it was all about pages and all about you know um the certain amount of books you had to read that were assigned to you and my mom's a teacher and my grandma's a teacher so that was like a big concern for them was they saw especially for me and my brother that we were losing like a love of reading because it was all required and assigned no one was getting to pick the books that they wanted to read anymore and so I think that just you talking about implementing this in the schools and at a young age is huge because um, kids aren't finding the passion anymore for the words because we, we we associate reading with an assignment you know something that we're told to do that's like so negative right like how can i how can i check off this assignment totally. by doing it as fast as possible yeah, or and, spark noting it right being able to if there's a classroom discussion being able to raise my hand once and throw in my two cents so it sounds like i got something done totally <laughs> totally and i was just saying i mean i mean there's so many people that were the same way so hopefully we're trying to find a way that bridges that gap a little bit between the the sports fan that you know like you said like I said raises their hand up to get one question in and the one that actually the one that actually enjoys to read yeah yeah no definitely have you had any teammates former teammates friends whose um kids have really responded to these books and um or what what success stories hit close to home to you so we 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 give them like you know we've given them to a bunch of friends and everyone's always said that they enjoy them and they're a fun read and i think um you know i think that they kind of take people by surprise because we did we did take it very seriously and you yeah know, we treated it like a like a legitimate business because we wanted to start we wanted to start something and that's the reason that we you know formed our own publishing company so right the response has always been the response has been pretty good but so there's a our mascot out here for the for the portland timbers his name is timber joey and he he does a lot of community work out here and and one of his passion projects is going to go into this program that uh kind of helps you know helps the kids learning to read and working on reading that the teachers not that they've given up on them but 
you know, when you're a teacher, you have to deal with however many students a day. So they're kind of the, the problem kids that just haven't really come along yet or, you know, they're not getting as much time as they need. And we were talking one day, me and Tim and Joey were talking one day at an event that we were at together. And he was telling me about a kid who the teachers had pretty much given, for lack of a better term, given up on. Mm. And he brought him, he brought him two of my books. And, you know, the kids, he was a big sports fan and he started reading. Oh. We have a book about the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he started reading it, reading it, reading it. And then eventually, you know, the kid was reading it to Timber Joey and it was one of the first books that he had ever finished. Um, wow. Yeah. And he, and so he got super into the books and, you know, it really helped him develop his reading because of his love for sports. And, you know, it was just exactly what, what we envisioned and what we wanted to get out of it. And he, you know, Timber Joey came to me with this story and it just like, you know, it, it kind of like hit my heart a little bit and, you know, really, really struck me because it was exactly what we were trying to do. And so to know that, to know that that, that, that kid, uh, his life will be better because, you know, he started opening up one of our books and fell in love with the story because of his love of sports. And that tied into the love of reading. That was just like, it just checked all the boxes. And, and it was cool to hear, to hear somebody else tell me that story. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That is unbelievable. I mean, that's when you really notice you're making a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, no, it, it was really cool. I got a I need to uh, reconnect with with Joey and try to find that kid because it was a uh, it was a very it was a very cool story and you know just you know when you're starting your own business and you're going through the ups and downs it's uh, that one story kind of made it all worth it. Definitely. Um, well, let's head back to soccer. You've had quite the journey that's led you to Portland. So let's take it from the beginning. What? Uh, who first got you into playing soccer and how did you find a love for it? Who first got me into soccer? So I was super young when I started. Um, you know, I did the whole like play every sport when you're younger and and do uh, kind of see what sticks. Um, so I started playing when I was like six or seven. I think it was just like a neighborhood thing. Everybody was doing it. And then I turned out being pretty good at it. And then when I was around nine years old, I think, our coach asked, you know, who wants to play goalie or like who thinks they could play goalie? And I played baseball and basketball at the time too. So I like, you know, I raised my hand and was like, oh, well, I like, I know how to play with my hands. I play baseball. And then, and then that was it, you know, from there on out, I was a goalie uh, pretty much, I mean, clearly for the rest of my life. But so just from that moment, you know, I was, I've been in the goal and obviously there's a lot of stuff in between, but that's really uh, how I ended up, you know, in the position that I am um, in terms of being a goalkeeper. And then so, you know, I had, I had my goalie coach back home. His name's Kevin, and he kind of showed me the way. And then fortunately, you know, I, I did well locally. So I ended up going to uh, the University of South Florida, which, you know, I did well there, played well. And, you know, just kind of followed the, followed the path, I guess. I'm sorry, I have, a hard, I have a hard time talking about myself and my career. No, so I, uh... I, to I know. Sometimes you got to pull it out. I get it. Yeah. But uh, no, so then, so I went to the University of South Florida, um, wasn't very, wasn't very highly recruited. So it was more of like, uh, did well locally and yeah. the local school saw me. So I went there and ended up, ended up winning the starting job, um, actually got named All-American my junior season. So wow. it was around, that was like the first time that I, that I realized, okay, well maybe I can make a, you yeah. know, make a living off of this. Yeah. Cause I always just kind of thought if I could go to college and get a degree, and uh, use soccer to do that, then, you know, that's, that's more than I would have ever dreamed of. Um, so I went to USF, did well there, 
Uh, I got drafted to the MLS out of college and then didn't make it initially. So I went, went down and played kind of like minor leagues. It was a, a local team again called the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So I did, did two years there and then did really well there and uh, got called back up to the MLS. Spent four years playing for Real Salt Lake and then did my time there. Got picked up by, got picked up by a team called Minnesota in the expansion draft and they traded me to Portland. And, you know, it's been, it's been three years here. This year has obviously been challenging for its own yeah. reasons, but it's been three good years here. We made the MLS Cup last year, which was like a huge, yeah. huge step in my career. And, you know, it's uh, just kind of keep my head down and keep doing this as long as they'll let me. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, so when you first went to Real Salt Lake, was that your first time moving away from home? Uh, yeah, so like that was my first time away from Florida. Or like, um, yeah, out of the state, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's why, you know, if anybody like pays attention to me on any type of social media, Tampa is so important to me because right. it's, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you're a Tam- huge Tampa I, I, sports fan, I can tell. Yeah, I'm one of the one of the few, one of the unlucky ones that, <laughs> that lives and dies by Tampa sports. But um, but yeah, so and that's why Tampa is so important to me because, you know, I I grew up in that area and you know the the local school USF, which is based out of Tampa, gave me my shot for college, and then you know the Tampa Bay Rowdies gave me my shot to play professionally when I when I got cut in the MLS, and then. My wife and I got married when I was 23, so pretty fresh out of college. We packed up and headed to Salt Lake. First wow. time, first time leaving Florida. Yeah, it was wow. it was a big move, but you know we did it together, which made it a lot easier. And that's kind of a culture shock. I mean, moving from Florida to Utah. Yeah, it was it was uh, every time every time you move a little bit further west, it's been uh, the culture shock. Yeah. Oh, big time. The culture time. shock yeah. kind of comes with it. Um, but no, it it was. But you know, it's been fun. Like when you when you grow up playing soccer, you don't get the opportunity to travel as much as, you know, some other families do, or when you're doing sports in general. So to have the opportunity to, to live in these different places through soccer has been, it's been fun. You know, it's a reason to, to see something new and see what life is like outside of that little Tampa, Tampa bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you first arrived in Portland, um, obviously a very unique place I mean I lived in Oregon for four years so I <laughs> totally get it uh what were your what were your first thoughts about the Oregon uh the state of Oregon fan scene well the fan scene is incredible I mean it's it's I remember coming here when I was playing with Salt Lake and you come here as a visiting as a, on the visiting team and you just think holy like how do they get this type of support like this is crazy that they do this for every game and you know, how amazing it would be to play for this team. So when I landed, when, you know, I went my roundabout way and landed with the Timbers, it was just so exciting to be, to be a part of it because it is so unique and it's so different. But at the same time, you know, when you're a professional athlete, that's the type of atmosphere you dream of playing. And that's the type of team that you want to play for. So, so when I first got here, the fan situation, I was, I was super excited. Um, You know, I'm more of a suburban guy, so we don't, we don't frequent downtown too much. Uh, but but so far, you know, we've we've really loved Oregon, and you don't you don't hear much about Oregon growing up in Florida, no, like yeah. at all. So you don't understand that you know the mountains are an hour away, the beach is an hour away. There's about a hundred wineries within driving distance, and 
and all and like everything in between so 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 far our family's really enjoyed it it's been a fun it's been a it's been a really fun adventure for us oh yeah no I can only imagine um and last year obviously what an epic season and a magical run um you just fell short to Atlanta but tell me how heartbreaking that loss was for you in the title game yeah, it was it was it was a tough one to swallow. I think um, you know we kind of went on this. Uh, at least for me personally, it was uh, it was just a big year. Um, it was the first time that I was really I was really the starter of a team, and um, you know that's what I've been trying to accomplish my whole career. So so to kind of reach that the ultimate you know that ultimate moment and make it all the way to the final and come up a little bit short, uh, it was really challenging. It's still you know it's you move on, you move on, you know, externally, it but still I still hurts. think that, yeah, it hurts, you know, thinking about how far we came and the, ma- the like the magical run that we were on. And it just, you know, it just kind of felt like you were going to win. And it, uh, it was just kind of felt like one of those things that was supposed to all come together and have your kind of your one shiny moment. But at the same time, you know, it just leaves that extra motivation to, to get back to that point and try to do it again. But, you know, I think that that's a loss that, you know, for that's a loss that'll break my heart until, you know, until the day that I can know, until the day that I no longer alive, because that one hurt. <laughs> so when you were given the notice that you were going to be out for the rest of the season, and obviously you guys are having a great season, um, what was that moment like for you when you knew you just were obviously not going to be able to be a part of this and be able to make the difference and, and uh, kind of avenge, avenge what you guys needed to get done last year. Uh, It was challenging. Um, But, you know, to be honest, for me, it was a, it was an injury that, you know, something felt wrong uh, for a while. Um, Something felt wrong before, you know, even before the playoff run last year. So to finally get, kind of that clarity on what was happening and really figuring out what I needed to do to, to get it fixed and get healthy again. From that, from that perspective, it was, in, in some ways, it was almost a relief because, you know, you're spending, I spent about a year doing whatever I could to try to, to try to get my shoulder right. And so to ultimately hear that surgery was, was the only and the best option for me it kind of, in, in a way it was a relief, but at the same time, you know, to be someone that's played my entire life, to be removed from the environment, to be removed from the field, uh, it's still challenging. You know, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the locker room, in the training room every day doing what I need to do to get healthy. But, you know, as the guys are gearing up for a playoff run, you want to be a part of it. You want to be, you want to be helping in any way possible. So that part of it's been extremely challenging, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's another side of my brain that is just happy that I'm getting healthy. And, you know, during the, during the rehab process, it's been, it's been really challenging, but at the same time, like, I know that I'm getting better and I know that once I get back on the field and I'm healthy, I'll be better than I was before. So that, so that side of it kind of gives me that peace of mind. Yeah. And it's going to give you some sort of fire in your gut just to get back out there harder than ever. Oh Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but you guys are playing your old team this weekend, right? Yeah. So, yep. The guys go to Salt Lake uh, this weekend for a big one on Saturday, and so it'll be missing. Missing this one hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have not mixed feelings against, about that. Yeah, not playing against the old team hurts, especially uh, the other goalie, the goalie for Salt Lake. His name's Nick Ramondo, and he's 
he's on his retirement. He's on his retirement tour. This is his last season. And, you know, he was my, he was a starter in Salt Lake when I was there for four years and he's a good friend of mine. So, so not being able to share the field with them uh, in the playoffs is hurts my heart, hurts yeah. my heart quite a bit, but you know, that's just kind of the way things shake out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's huge just to know, to be able to kind of identify, not that I sound like a therapist right now, but identify like what you're feeling and know that and be able to know that um, sometimes there's bigger things in life and like it's all going to be okay. And eventually once you're done playing, like you're going to be healthier than ever for some reason because we hear these horror stories of athletes who never got things taken care of while they were playing. And then for the rest of their lives, their bodies are messed up and they can't even function in the real world. No, for sure. It's funny. Like, I think now more than ever, the movement for athletes that, you know, you're allowed to be more than an athlete. You're allowed to talk about things. You're allowed to, to do things away from the field or do things away from the court. So I think that that movement now is, is great for athletes and it's, and it's bigger than it's ever been. But at the same time, you know, you still get people that come up to you and ask you how your shoulder is and, it, and they're looking at you like, like you're dead, like, you know, like you're like you're on your like you're on your deathbed, like oh, how's your shoulder, like, are you going to be OK? And it's like, you know, like, yeah, I'm getting to spend time with my family. I'm, I'm getting healthy, I'm, you know, exploring different things. So it's not a it's not quite the end of the world that sometimes sports injuries lead people to believe that they are. But at the same time, it's, you know. It's it's tough. It's tough in its own way, but you know it's definitely not the end of the world. Yeah. Well, and like you were talking about before, it's kind of I don't want to say blessing, but it's that little light in disguise that's giving you this time to explore what you're gonna do after your career's over. Yeah. No. Of course. I I think that you know, especially as professional athletes, I think that whenever you're handed, whenever you're dealt a pretty tough card, it's you know, it's not the end of the world. Of course, it'll be really, really difficult for you in that moment. But just like you said, like, okay, I'm handed this card of surgery. How can I use this time to the best of my advantage for my own life, for for life after sports, for, you know, time with my family? So how can I utilize this time instead of sitting around dwelling on it and being sad that I can't play soccer? You know, what can I do to make the best of it? And what can I do to learn from the experience? And hopefully, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I'm looking back at this experience and thinking, well, you know what, that injury, even though it sucked for soccer, you know, it really gave me clarity on a few things that I want to do with my life when I'm done playing. So that's kind of how I've, that's kind of how I've approached it. And, you know, and, and if anything, you know, if, if it, this, if nothing comes of it, at least I've been able to kill. Some yeah, time. <laughs> no, absolutely. But it's like, you could either be sitting there saying, what was me complaining, throwing yourself a, fit, a pity party, or you could take this as an opportunity and run with it and know that you're going to be successful so much more, even so down the road. You know, that's what I'm trying. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it all comes together. That's, that's definitely been my idea. And, you know, if anything, I've, you know, I've, I think that I've been, uh, what do they say? Make, make lemonade out of lemons. So I think I've been, I think I've been making some lemonade, which is cool. Yeah. You're like the, the, what is it? The, uh, the billboard kit, the poster child for making lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully no, we'll see if awesome. it all, com- we'll see if it all comes together, but that's, that's been my, that's been my mindset. And it's, you know, if anything, it's how I've been able to, uh, you know, be a, be, be a, be a better husband, be a better dad. Yeah. And, just you know try to try to make the most out of this time well see it's better than like I mean I know athlete stories where you know some some wives or husbands have been like 
oh, you know, you're you're here again, or you aren't gonna go get out and and go do something today, or you're not gonna get up off the couch like that. So I mean, the fact that you're doing something is huge and just better than, you know, annoying annoying your yeah, significant exactly. other. Well, my wife, yeah. So my wife, my wife works from home. So I think that if I was sitting on, if I was just sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day, she would have. She would have gotten me up, gotten me up and kicked me in the butt and told yeah. me to told me to go do something with my day a long time ago. So so, so luckily, luckily I didn't need her. Uh, luckily I didn't need that push. Yeah. See, that's good. Um, do you kind of kind of get a feeling though, now that um, you know, the season's gonna be winding down soon, how much longer you're feeling like you're gonna be able to play since um, you know, you're gonna be coming off your injury next year and uh, hope, hopefully stronger than ever. But, I mean, I don't even know what the average lifespan is for, for a soccer player. Well, luckily for goalies, we uh, – so at 30, you know, as, as field players, you're kind of reaching – you're kind of yeah. reaching that point where, you know, it might be a little bit closer to the end. But for goalies, 30 is like you're hitting your prime. You're, okay. you're at a good age. You're at a good uh, – well, I guess I'm 31 now. I just have a 31st birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, yeah. That stinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I – haven't Over the hump, 31. yeah. I know. I haven't said that I'm 31 out okay. loud yet, so that just that just kind of hurt my heart a little bit. But so uh, so no, so I'm in a good spot. You know, I'm about you know if I if realistically I want to play anywhere between five to six more years, which would be great. Um, but you know, hopefully I'll be back. The plan is to be back early next season. Uh, you know, I'm aiming for preseason. We we've been training really hard and trying to trying to get that get that date accomplished. But I know I'll be back early early next year and. You know, I think that it's just given me the opportunity that I have to go out and, you know, kind of start over and prove myself all over again. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, getting the chance to be healthy and do that and kind of see, you know, how long I can keep this keep this thing going. So did you download the QuickTrack app yet? I am telling you, QuickTrack has been my saving grace when it comes to keeping both my life and business organized. I'm a total mess, usually, and now I have a way to write up and sign a contract all on my phone, keep myself organized without losing it, and get paid for my work on time. Seriously, I'm telling you, you will love it. Go download the free QuickTrack app right now. Hit pause on the podcast. I'll give you a few seconds. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. All right, back to the show. Okay, so when you are healthy, here's what I'm interested. What What is the mindset of a goalie? Like, when you're back there by yourself for such a long time, what are you thinking about? Let's say for a game that maybe isn't um, isn't such a high-profile match, <laughs> what do you kind of do with yourself if maybe the ball's not coming your way so often? Um, you know, it's funny. So many people ask this question, and I think it just depends on – on who you are as a goalie. I know when I was younger, I used to just like sing songs in my head and yeah. <laughs> and like twiddle my yeah. thumbs. But you know, as you uh, as the games get more important and as you as you kind of work your way up, I think it's you you do your best to do a lot of communication, right? Okay. So so goalies, you know, goalies are are leaders on the field, and they're you know they do your best to try to like for lack of a better term, you try to quarterback that back line yeah. to to you know be in the right spots because ultimately you can see everything. So you try to get you try to help your teammates out and get them in the right spots and you know organize and organize as much as possible. Try to talk as much as possible because that kind of keeps your mind keeps your mind sharp uh, when you're not as busy physically. But then there's a lot of you know, especially at this level, players are so good and things can come out of nowhere so fast that you do a lot of trying to make sure you're in the right position at all times and 
and try to anticipate, you know, if something, if something is going to come through, if they are going to get past your back line, where's it going to come from? And, you know, how are you going to respond to that? So it is a mental, it is definitely a mental position because there is so much of the time that you're not physically doing, uh, you know, as much work as anybody else out there. So a lot of it is just trying to keep yourself mentally sharp and, you know, trying to stay engaged with your teammates and stay engaged with the game flow as much as possible. Yeah, but that's got to be hard because that is such a long field and so many stadiums get like noise blaringly loud. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the hard. The harder ones are, you know, when you're when you're playing at the stadiums that don't have as many fans and you got that one fan that yeah. is, tr- is chirping you the whole game and you can hear them. You can hear them more than you can hear anybody else because there aren't that many people there. So those ones are tough because you got to block out one single person making fun of you. Yeah. But usually if it's a, if it's a big crowd and everybody's chanting, you're able to keep that adrenaline up and kind of, you know, use that as motivation as opposed to the one fan that's, you know, talking to you about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you like, do you count saves or what do you, what are you thinking about? Like when you are um, in such an intense game, like, are you thinking about all those things? Cause I'll hear, you know, interviews after games and I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I'm not, I don't even counting. Oh, I didn't even know it was that many. Like, what are you thinking about? No, I mean, you don't, you don't count. I mean, at least for me, like I don't count saves. I think that you know, saves, especially for goalies, saves are kind of a skewed stat because you can make one save that is the best save you've ever made in your life. And if you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and it says you have one save, you know, people are thinking, all right, well, he didn't have that too much. He didn't have much to do. And, you know, if a guy, if if they shoot the ball at you and it's right at you 10 times and you make 10 saves, people will think, oh, you know, he's had a really good game or, you know, man, he must have been, he must have been on fire that day. Right. So for me, you know, I don't really view statistics for goalies, um, especially in soccer. I don't really view it as, as a measuring stick for, for how, how good the game went. I think for me, it's more about, you know, did the team, did the team win? You know, ultimately you want to be a net when the team wins and, you know, how many goals did you give up? How many goals do you think you could have done something different about? And, you know, ultimately, if you're if you play well enough to put the team in a position to win and you're able to, you know, to get those three points, then I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, check it off. That's a job well done. Mm -hmm. But you have to have some ultimate mental strength out there in that position because you're not the guy scoring 10 goals. You've got to be able to make those saves. And if you don't, everyone hates you at the end of the game and (laughs) they think that you cost them the loss. Right. I mean, you're the one getting heckled. Yeah, you don't as a goalie you don't get to play much hero ball right that's uh you kind of just it's kind of one of those positions it's kind of like i always compare it to a kicker in football right yes you're not called on on all the time but when you're called on everybody expects you to always make it so when you make it you did your job but then when you miss it you're horrible and you know you're you're the person to blame for the loss so it's just one of those you know it's kind of a thankless position but at the same time it's you know it takes uh, it takes a unique personality, but I also think it takes a strong personality to to be that person um, when everybody's looking at you. And most of the time, you're gonna get you're gonna get blamed more than you're gonna get praised. But you know, for some reason, I love it, and it's uh, it's just you know, it fits my personality well. And it you know, I always say that being a goalkeeper kind of it prepares it prepares me better for the real world than any than any job than any internship than anything I could possibly do because I know that if I'm able to to stand in front of that net in front of a crowd and when all the eyes are on me and things aren't going well, if I'm able to 
if I'm able to get through that and kind of come out the other side, then there's really not much the real world uh, is going to surprise me with. Mm-hmm. Now that you've kind of gotten a taste a little bit of the real world, what kind of skills do you feel like translate when you're in goal to real society? It's funny that you asked me that question because I've been working with a friend of mine and we're trying to come up with a course for, for younger goalies to to kind of feel the same way, right? So when you're when you're a goalie and you're playing soccer, you're you get that label as weird or you get that label as, you know, different from everybody else, which, you know, it is different. You're pretty much playing your own sport, but there are so many qualities that translate to the real world. You know, to be a goalie, you gotta have you gotta have a lot of confidence in yourself. You know, and I think that that's something that's really big that you can spot in somebody pretty much right away, right? If you're if you're around somebody, you can tell that that person's self-confident and they have a lot of belief in themselves. I always feel like that's something that I can spot out of the lineup, you know? So then there's that self-confidence, you know, there's that ability to be a leader. There's that ability to, how do you respond when things don't go well? Do you hang your head? Do you get really sad or do you respond in a positive way and try to get the team around you to respond positively? So, you know, those are some of the things that, that I think goalkeepers have to develop if you're going to play the position. And when you translate that to the business world or like just to the real world in general, you know, you want to be around people, you want your company, you want your, your bosses to be people that, okay, something doesn't go well. Did that person rally the team to respond positively? Did that person hang their head and yell at everybody and blame everybody else? Or, you know, is that person lacking self-confidence or was that person so self-confident in a time of, in a time of need or in a time of, you know, things aren't going too well, that he was able to get the team around him to respond positively? So those are, those are just a few of the things that I think the goalkeeper position translates to the real world. And I think that ultimately, like, that's a big, those are big, those are big pluses, you know, those are big perks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Well, switching gears a little bit into, because you are a big sports fan outside of soccer, what would you say is your biggest, um, is your favorite game to watch when you're not playing soccer? Uh, it's gotta be, oh man, I think that that's a tough question because it's all about moments, right? Yeah, like, totally. I know. Like I hate it me, when people ask that question too, but <laughs> like for me, like, like for me, if, and I'm all about like the teams I love. Right. So yeah. that's how I kind of, that's how I kind of, uh, will answer that question. But like for me, if, if my team's making a run in playoff baseball, there's nothing better. Like I could watch, I could be glued to a meaningful baseball game. And for me, there's nothing better than that because there's just so many pitches and every pitch means so much Mm -hmm. that like, it's just, it just keeps you entertained for a long time. But, you know, I think that if I was just watching a sport, it would be football. So like if I was just watching a casual sport that I didn't have any rooting interest in the teams and I just enjoy the game, it'd be football for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Well, who is... Obviously, you're a big Bucks fan, but who's your uh, who's your big baseball team? Oh, the Rays. Okay. Oh, obviously, yeah. Well, we had a yeah. good. We had a good. Run. No, we had totally. A good run, At it least, a, yeah. It yeah. Was fun. Yeah. Man, I know, but it's 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 hard when you get the Astros. I mean, they're just a stacked team, so you kind of. They were just, so they're so good. Yeah. I I came so close to flying to Houston, and I'm I'm glad I didn't because that would have been that would have been a long a long day for a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I think I think they're gonna win it though. I don't know. I just 
I hope so. I don't. I'm not a Yankees guy. I definitely yeah. don't like the no. Yankees. So no. I'm pulling. I'm pulling for the Astros I or know. the Nationals. Yeah. I know the. Uh, I, I I grew up with the manager of the Na- manager of the Nationals. His name's Dave Martinez. He's a great uh-huh. dude. Yep. I grew up with his his son. He was like my best friend oh in my high gosh, school. How so funny. Yeah, so I'm rooting for them pretty hard now. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you gotta. That's awesome. That is great. Well, that would be, like, a perfect situation. Washington, Houston. That'd, that'd be a good be, one. Yeah. That'd be a fun one to watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be good. I mean, I, since, you know, I'm in um, Orange County, but it's just, like, when the Dodgers lost, you know, everything just, everyone just sunk here, and it was, like, the world ended, even though, like, <laughs> right where I live, most people are Angels fans, but it's like everyone's a bandwagon fan. So it was just. They haven't gotten over. I don't know what's going on. Dude, they just can't get over the hump. Oh, my. And I'm a huge Chargers fan, so it's just like, I know what it's how, like to have lose. You been to, have you been to a game at the soccer stadium Yeah, yet? yeah. No, it's, it's, everyone hates on it. I went the first season. Um, and I was, like, living up in Washington, too, at the time, too. But I came down to visit. It's so cool. Like, it feels like – I mean, obviously, I, I know you've, you've seen the stadium. But, um, you know, it's it's so cool because it feels like – I don't know. It feels like a, like a video game or something. Like, you're just – it, you're just with them like you're right there and because you're up close and yeah, personal you're you're in yeah it. yeah you're but in everyone, it. i can see that totally sure. but like everyone hates on it because like oh they're so small and everything and i'm like you know what i'd rather have a sold out game every time than a bunch of empty seats and in san diego i mean like the last couple seasons when they were really struggling it was you know oh gosh like probably a third of it so empty so it's just not worth it and the food is like awesome like it, it feels like you're I don't know it feels like you're at Disneyland or something it's cool and the outdoor bars and everything it's just like it's a very bougie atmosphere so right it's like no I mean I could see I could see how that'd be fun yeah for sure. no totally so it's kind of I'm like you know I'm all for it right now we just need to start winning some games this is like tragic <laughs> this is a Oh man, yeah. I have no sympathy for any NFL fans. No, ever. I know that's the thing. It's I, hard to. When you're a Tampa fan, I just no, I feel for you too. But I mean, being a Miami <laughs> fan, I feel like though right now has got to be way harder. But yeah, but at least like it seems like they're losing with a purpose. Like their purpose <laughs> is to get a quarterback, and you can tell that they're attempting to lose. Like I'd rather my team be pretty obvious about their attempt to lose than just lose when they're trying <laughs> oh, to win. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so true. You know what? Actually, where can people buy your books? Yeah, great question. So uh, we have our website. It's called uh, ItHadToBeTold.com. And so the books are are there. But, you know, just like everything else in the world, you can also get them on Amazon Prime, which which is probably the easiest way, especially if you feel like reading them in 24 hours. If you have some dying need to read them in a day, you can, uh, you can get them shipped Amazon Prime, but we also have our website, which, you know, if you want to learn, if you want to learn more about the books and a little bit more about our company and our story, uh, you could head to the website and that was it had to be told.com. Awesome. So great. I can't wait. And by the way, like you were mentioning, the illustrations are so cool. I love the pictures. They are so great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, uh, they're really, you know, we were really, um, it was our first time doing books. Uh, my father-in-law, he has a he has a few other companies, so he's a big time entrepreneur. But we really dove in and we went we really went for it. So I think that the quality is good. I think the stories the stories came out really good. And you know, hopefully, if you pick them up, you you enjoy them and you know share them with uh, share them with your friends.
Yeah, definitely. No, I'm I'm going to get a couple for my little nephews cuz they're, you know, they're huge sports fans and they like they always sit with me and and try to learn and it's so funny and ask me to get them jerseys and everything and it's <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, it's so funny." But like I remember just when we were watching what was it? I think we were watching um oh, we were watching the NBA playoffs and like my little four-year-old nephew the whole time he's like okay who's winning now who's winning now who's winning now like <laughs> like you know he really wanted to know and like every time like when his mom came he's like we're rooting for the raptors like and he's like you know very really pays attention to what's going on and super smart but it just reminded me though like when we were talking about uh starting playing soccer so early because you know he's playing you know like four-year-old ayso soccer right now and I tried to ask him before I went to his first one of his first games. I was like, what position do you play? And he's like, all of them. And I was like, oh, really? And I, and I was like, do you play goalie? And he's like, we don't have one of those. And I was like, oh, why? And he's like, it's just easier for me to score all the goals. And so, so yeah, I went to the game and there's nobody in goal. And, um, you know, he scored seven goals that day, but... It's funny because it just made me think about how, you know, when you're at that age, nobody wants to sit back. No, yeah. You don't want to. I don't think anybody wants to put their four year old in front of a ball being kicked at him just yet. <laughs> it was so funny because, like, they tried to get him to switch teams to play on the other team so that the other team could start getting, um, getting, you know, some points, even though they don't keep score. And he just started crying. And it was so funny because he didn't want to leave his team. Oh, that's awesome. My daughter that's just started hilarious. my daughter just started soccer too. It's been it's oh. been quite the adventure. Oh my gosh, it's so great. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. It's like it's just it's so fun and funny to watch, like because all the different personalities that come out of all the kids is just like it's so entertaining. It's like where did that come it's, from? <laughs> <laughs> so good all right well jeff it was so awesome talking to you well i appreciate the time that was fun if you haven't done it yet make sure you go subscribe to the podcast follow us on instagram at after orange slices tell us what you want to hear on the show next week my friend organized jane aka jane stoller who's the world's first life biz organizer she's going to flip your world upside down okay she is here to help the messiest person in the world aka me if you can believe it uh, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode or any new episode of After Orange Slices every Friday. Brian, what do I love? Fantasy football. I do love fantasy football, but what else do I love? Uh, making money. I love winning money, but no, no, no. Well, that's not what I'm thinking of. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, I know. Sundays. I love Sundays. And I'm not talking ice cream, ladies and gentlemen. And if you love playing fantasy football, you need to check out the FTLS Fantasy Football Podcast with myself and Johnny Bats over here. Find us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. And as always, check out all of our work at www.ftlsunday.com. Look forward to winning with you all year.